You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Well, today, the message is entitled Time, T-I-M-E, Time. And we're going to be talking about time and how it relates to trusting in God, trusting in God. So I'm going to pray and then lead you in a prayer. Father, I want to ask you to take this word and let it grow roots in our hearts. Let it be like a seed that bears much fruit. And I'm asking that you send it into homes and places all around the world and here in Australia, here in Brisbane, and into our hearts, those who are with us this morning. Be glorified. Give me the grace to share uh, your word, to share it with your power and your wisdom. And give us your wisdom and understanding as we cover this subject in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, put our, let's put our hands on our hearts and pray with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Amen. So the message is entitled Time. Before we get into that, one day... It's one day until the outpouring unit. I'm excited about what God has in store tomorrow night. So it's Monday evenings, and tomorrow night we begin 6.30 p.m. Monday, 7th of August, 2023. And it's an open night, so all are welcome. We have a fair bit of room at the moment, so you can bring friends, family, give them a taste of the Bible school, the place has newly been renovated. It's mostly finished. There's some little things that need to be done, but it's new and improved. I'm sure it'll take a little bit of time to get adjusted, though. Um, but, yeah, we're very grateful for the renovations and what's coming, what's coming up. And if you're a grad, you can come and help kickstart us. If you're, uh, yeah, anybody who wants to come, come kickstart us, come and to encourage, to support, to find out what's happening. It's all at the Level 7, 117 Queen Street Mall. And you can register at holyfireschool.com, holyfireschool.com. So, yeah, this is the card that Anna designed. You've seen it before, Love Poured Out. And we'll be especially focusing on the apostolic letters and heart. Uh, the power and beauty of the cross, right? Power and beauty of the cross. As there was different prophetic words about that. Uh, creatively communicating God's word, walking in the spirit, and hidden treasures in the Hebrew alphabet. 
uh, though uh, as I've been studying, we're going to be looking more at Greek. This We'll be looking at Hebrew, but especially at some important Greek words and because we're in the epistles and they were written originally in Greek, Koine Greek. Uh, we'll talk about that more tomorrow night. So let's get into the message here. One of the great lessons the Father teaches us is to trust in His timing. To trust in His timing. It's one of the essential lessons of spiritual maturity. So John 7, verse 6. John chapter 7 Verse 6, this is quite an interesting verse here. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. <laughs> Did you hear that? Let me say it again so it can really get into us. And it had to do with Jesus' brother's and trying to pressure him to go to the Feast of Tabernacles and make a name for himself. We'll look at verse 3. Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea. So they're pressuring Jesus. Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. Now show yourself off like a musician. Uh, sorry, not a musician, but a musician, a magician I'm thinking of. But musicians also try to show themselves off too. But they're kind of pressuring him like a magician. You know, show your works, perform some, some of these miraculous things. Verse 4, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now we have to watch out that we don't have this attitude toward Jesus, uh, forcing Jesus' hand. Uh, I think a lot of us can have that attitude and uh, we think, oh, what's wrong with that? But listen to how Jesus responds here. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. So for you, any time is going to do. Any time is right. But for me, my, my time hasn't come yet. Well, they left and then he went to the feast quietly and secretly. And again, this is one of the Lessons of spiritual maturity is knowing God's timing and trusting in his timing. Here is Vincent van Gogh and his journal. And one of the things I liked here about this picture is you can see the sketch of the sower in his journal. So before he created the masterpiece of the sower, which I'll show you soon, and it was inspired by the Bible. It was inspired by Jesus' parable of the, the sower sowing seeds and the different soils. Well, before it was ever created into a masterpiece, it was in his journal. And it was a sketch. 
And so let me encourage you to journal. And also that God wants his creative works to, to uh, flow through you, to work through you. He wants you to produce something that's creative for his glory. Vincent van Gogh wanted to be a minister. Uh, unfortunately, he was rejected uh, by the church at that time. And he was definitely, uh, in his, uh, the letters that I read as a young man, he was more of a, a new wineskin mindset coming against an old wineskin. In the end, sadly, we know that his mental health went <laughs> and that's, that's uh, testified by his self-portrait with the bandaged ear. Uh, but that doesn't mean we dismiss his whole, whole life. He, he had a, so, much, so many great things to offer, and the Bible was a big inspiration for him. Well, I'm creating things. Anna's creating things. I want you to also pray for yourself. What are you creating for Jesus? And what are you creating with Jesus? That's the main thing, with him. What are you creating with him? And it's all going to look different. For me, it's going to be one thing. For Anna, it's going to be another thing. For Fran, it's going to be something different. For Samantha, who knows what she's going to create with Jesus. But each one of us is called to create something for his glory. And that's my, my heart as I'm sharing this morning. May he be glorified. May he be glorified. Here is our uh, opening passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, who is he? It's Jesus. It's Jesus sharing his parables. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts us the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So here Jesus is sharing about how the kingdom and how he himself and how his word is like seed. And it grows. It's, it's meant to be sown and it grows and it, it grows with we do some cultivating and guarding. And, but it grows even when we are not working. Night and day it's growing. You are sleeping. The seed is growing. We get up, it's, it's sprouting, it's growing. And the ultimate purpose of the grain growing is that it would become ripe and be filled with other kernels of grain, seeds, so that it's fruitful and reproduces. And then it could be used for food and uh, expansion and growth. And so here we see the whole purpose of that seed is the harvest from seed to harvest, and God wants to bring his kingdom from seed to harvest. After that, Jesus shares this parable of the mustard seed. Now here's Van Gogh's masterpiece, which is the sower sowing seed. Of course, it's much 
uh, more glorious in person. Because then you get to see all the strokes and the colors. And the guy, I told you how the guy got upset with me at the museum because I came all the way from Australia and we were in New York. This is a few years back. Eddie and I were in New York and I was like, whoa, I came a long way to see this uh, van. It was an, another Van Gogh. But I, was, I came a long way to see this. So I spent about, uh, oh, it was about 15 minutes looking at it kind of taking it all in. And then the guards came right next to me. And uh, they uh, trapped me in, like almost like I was contemplating stealing the thing. Which, which shows you that they're not used to people looking at actually studying the painting. It shows people, people look, and this is what we do with scripture. People look, okay, yeah, I saw it, next thing. We could do this with parables. We could do it with description. Okay, yeah, I read it. <laughs> I'm off to the next thing. So just quick looks. When we need to take time and really take it all in and look at every uh, stroke and, and absorb it all, and especially with Scripture, pray, God, speak to me. Let me hear your voice. And then we find that each word has weight to it and beauty and glory in it. Well, after Jesus shared that first parable that we read, we read uh, Mark 4, 30 through 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So here we see Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. We talked about that last week. And that this seed is small, it's little. And especially what Jesus is communicating here is the humility of the seed. The humility of the seed. And Jesus became like that mustard seed. When he was going through the cross, when he was being whipped, when he was carrying the cross and he's collapsing and, and going to the cross and being nailed to the cross, what is Jesus doing? He is becoming like a mustard seed. Little, small, insignificant, like nothing. Uh, being trampled on, he's being crushed. Uh, just like a seed goes into the ground and the pressures of the ground cause it to disintegrate. But then that uh, decay caused the roots to branch out underground first and then springs up with life. So Jesus is becoming like a mustard seed and then that brings life to the whole world. That is the essence of the good news. So what is the mustard seed? It's ultimately a parable about who Jesus is and what he has done and how God is humble. And even though God is far greater than the universe, now they got that, you know, they got that big James Webb telescope out there in the, uh, the sky. And, and what, the, what the scientists know is there is... If I, I've got, I, think, I think I've got the figure correct. Right now, they believe two trillion galaxies. Two trillion galaxies. We're not talking two trillion stars. 
We're talking two trillion galaxies, which all are like our galaxy, the Milky Way, some smaller, some bigger, but every galaxy, you know, expansive with stars. And they're thinking that maybe they even have a low estimate at two trillion. We can't fathom it, can we? And yet God is greater. So God surrounds this whole universe, and then God is in this universe, and God is doing stuff in galaxy, you know, galaxies that are millions of light years away. He's doing something there. He's sustaining it. He's, and we don't know fully what he has in store, uh, especially he is showing us through these things of how glorious and immense and grand he is. And this is the God who's chosen to live inside of us and become like a mustard seed. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so this is the God who's become like a mustard seed to come inside of us and also to come into the world and go into the ground and die in order that there may be resurrection life. This is one of those mustard trees. There's about 50 different varieties of mustard seed trees. And they could be a, if you don't want mustard seeds, they could be a bit of a pest because they take over. They take over the garden. But if you want mustard seeds, yay. <laughs> Faith that is like a mustard seed trusts in God's timing. Because it takes time to grow. And we're, think, we're thinking about the disciples and before Jesus is about to go to the cross, he says to them, do not be troubled. Let your hearts not be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And he's saying that at a certain time because this is the, this, we, we know this is the Passion Week. And we know he's going to go through immense suffering. And so he's saying this stuff uh, let your heart not be troubled because he knows that they're going to be troubled very soon. In a few days, they're going to be really troubled or not just a few days. It's like one day and he's going to be crucified before them and then he's going to be buried. And when he's buried, they're going to think when he's crucified and buried, they're going to think it's over. But there's coming a resurrection. And then the Lord sees that from that Last Supper there's the death, there's the burial, there's the resurrection, but then there's also the outpouring of God's Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so when he says, let your hearts not be troubled, he is thinking of the whole picture. And the disciples can't see it at that time. But they need to trust. That's what faith is, it's trust. Faith is like a mustard seed that trusts in God's timing. God's kingdom is not about instant results, but faith that perseveres in the journey. Let me repeat that one more time. God's kingdom is not about instant results, because that's what we, that's what we want. We want the instant thing, and that's what Jesus' brothers want. Show yourself. Do it now. Uh, God's kingdom is not about instant results, but faith that perseveres in the journey. And faith always grows and blossoms. 
and the, uh, the kingdom always grows and blossoms. And I think of Daniel and Diane who have been sowing seeds in faith all across Australia. Though they don't see hundreds of people saying, oh, I'm coming to Jesus, but they see a lot of people touched by Jesus. And that those seeds will grow until eventually these people will come to a place where they will say, Lord, I'm giving you my life. I'm surrendering to you. I'm placing my trust in you. But first, there has to be seeds sown, right? We have to sow seeds if we're going to see a harvest. Without seeds being sown, there can be no harvest. And God's kingdom is not about instant results, but faith that perseveres in the journey. We see in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. I'm going to read this one quickly. It's about Moses. And Moses perseveres because he sees him who is invisible. You've heard me mention this before. Verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Perseverance. And that's what, have, that's what this mustard seed is like. This mustard seed, it's created by God, and in it is a great perseverance, though it starts very small. It perseveres until becoming the largest plant in the garden. It takes over. And it says, so it's a testimony of perseverance. How is the mountain moved and the mulberry tree uprooted? Remember how Jesus spoke about the mountain being moved? by faith and the mulberry tree uprooted? Well, it happens as the seed of the kingdom grows, uprooting and removing the obstacle. Now, usually Christians think when they hear about the mountain being moved or the mulberry tree being uprooted, they think it's going to happen exactly like Jesus. Jesus cursed the fig tree, for example, and immediately it happened. But in the context of what Jesus is saying, there's something more than something instant. God can do an instant work. Of course, he said, let there be light, and there was light. So God can do stuff quickly. But when you read the context of the mountain being moved and the mulberry tree uprooted with faith, the picture is it happens as the seed of the kingdom grows. So the seed of the kingdom is growing more and more, and because it's growing, it uproots and removes the obstacle. So though you don't see the mountain moved right now, keep on trusting God that the kingdom is growing. And as the kingdom grows, it will soon uproot and remove the mountains and the mulberry trees that was not meant to be there. It doesn't happen in a flash like a magic trick. Instead, like a war, the mountain and the tree must be continually bombarded by God's word until removed. Did you hear that? That's why I feel, feel like Ananias' mission is to continually bombard by the grace of God, the word of God, into Brisbane until the, mountain is re the mountains are removed. Now, if we started out and, oh, yeah, I preached one message and think that, it's going to answer all the world's problems. It's not. 
It's over and over and over and over. It's like a war that the Lord is uh, instigating against the forces of darkness. And the mountain and, and the tree that Jesus is talking about, this mountain and tree, has to do with the de demonic forces in this world which oppose God. Well, they need to be continually bombarded by the word, God's word, until removed. Amen. And we see God's way of doing that in the beginning in creation every day, changing the chaos through his word. Here we read, we read this last week, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, pistis, pistis, is the word there. We'll talk about it more tomorrow night. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But here's the thing about the, the mustard seed. It takes time to grow. So we are speaking God's word against the advers God's adversaries until that word gets bigger and uproots those deep-seated, rooted uh, plants. So that is the picture here, which we often don't see at first, but if you meditate on it, that is the picture which comes up. And now here is our latest infographic, time. Time. And this is a little bit of a summary of what I've been sharing, as well as developing some things. So time and remember that. Remember that you can download this at the Inspiration Fire online store, brisbanefire.com. You go to brisbanefire.com, then go to the Inspiration Fire online store. You can download it on your phone, your device, your computer. What happens is it's a, if you don't know, if you tried and it didn't work, realize it's downloading a zip file, a zip file. You need to tap that zip file till it unzips. And then there's a folder, and in the folder there's two. Uh, files. One's good for printing, which is PDF. Another's good for uh, digital on your phone or computer, a PNG file. But they're high-quality files. So it's a way of me being able to deliver this in high quality to you. And it's, it's going to be free over this next week. So you can just go there and download it. It's not up yet. It'll be up this afternoon. How's that sound? Thanks, Anna, for your encouragement. <laughs> So time, and this one starts off with what we read before. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. Now, God's wanting to change our mindset that any time does not do. We need to know his time. We need to know the Lord's time. There's God's time and there's our time. We'll talk about that soon. So this is an acrostic. And I'll just give you what it says first, and then we'll develop it some more. It's from God's, spec it's from God's perspective, and it's trust in my exquisite timing. That's what this one, this is what the Lord put on my heart this week. Trust in my exquisite timing. T-I-M-E. Trust in my exquisite timing. And I really don't kind of seek for these acrostics. They come to me. <laughs> and uh, 
I believe that the Lord's purpose is that we would remember little messages in the words and that we would remember. So trust in my exquisite timing. The first, the T, is trust. Do not worry and fret when God's promises aren't unfolding as you would like. Trust in God's timing. God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. It takes time to grow and requires patience. So Psalm 37 is one of the psalms we were meditating on, uh, Anna and I, while we were away. Uh, Psalm 37... And I don't know if Anna Sonnenberg is listening to us. She's one of our friends. She just turned 37 this week. But happy birthday, Anna Sonnenberg. You're dear to our hearts. Uh, I met her when we were DJing one time, and she became friends with the family. Well, she's 37. And it's your sister's birthday today, right? It's Lizzie's birthday today. So happy birthday, Lizzie. Um, And uh, we praise God for you, Lizzie, and love you. Psalm 37. Now back to Psalm 37. Any other birthdays coming up? (laughs) Not this week. Yeah, we got heaps of birthdays in August. Just so you can prepare, mine's August 15th. (laughs) I'm just being cheeky, guys. I'm just being cheeky. The more important than me is Valerie's, which is the 21st of August. And then more important than anything is that Gideon is getting married in less than a month's time. So it's the first Sunday. It's Father's Day, the first Sunday of September. We have to, and it's a Sunday, so we have to take church off that day. <laughs> and it's coming up. Wait, when is it? September 3rd. September 3rd. So about that, I'm, I have a little bit of, I'm nervous, okay? I'm the, but it's not the nervousness of, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no the, uh, it's more of this, it's such an important event. It's like this uh, reverential fear and trembling. And so I feel our first child getting married is such a big thing. So we're gearing up for that. All right. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. So in in the right time, these people that seem like they're wicked and they're doing wrong things and they're not following God's word and looks like they're prospering and making heaps of money and crypto trade and all this stuff. Oh, wow, it looks so good. And why am I suffering here? Well, God is saying, I know the big picture and like grass, they're going to wither away and die. They are not going to uh, persevere. It look, they look good right now. It looks really good right now, but... God sees things from the perspective of eternity. God is above time and surrounds time, and then by grace he enters into our time. But God sees the end from the beginning, and so we trust in him. We trust in his timing. As it goes on, Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So your reward will come and you will shine out bright. And so then part of that trust is being still, this rest. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. So there's more. You can read the rest of Psalm 37, but notice how it teaches us about trust. And not based on what is appear, not based on what appears good and prosperous, but based on who God is and his kingdom. So that tr trust, the I is in. And here we have a little twist on the in. Put yourself in the shoes of men and women like Abraham and Sarah. We celebrate them now, but they exercised faith when it appeared like God wasn't working. Now, listen to Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Now, what this is saying is they didn't receive all the things that were promised. Of course, Abraham and Sarah received Isaac, but it took a, a long time after the word was given. All these people were still living by faith when they died. So if we are people of faith, we are going to be living by faith until the end. And again, I think of my mom who was... Uh, when she was passing away, she was still be believing for a miracle. She was like, God, I believe God is going to heal me. I believe that I'm going to be restored as she's battling cancer. But she said, if something doesn't happen, this is what uh, I would like for my funeral. And then she's telling me all the financial things. And I was, and I was thinking, oh, she's, gonna, she's not going to die. I wish I paid a little bit more attention as she was down, down dumping everything at that time. Oh, man. Take it a lesson for yourself. But somehow we got, somehow we got through. <laughs> and we were able to figure things out. Um, she was living by faith up to the time of her death. And this is for all of us. None of us is going to see all the promises of God in the word come to pass in our lifetime unless Jesus returns uh, and we're raptured with him. And then, we'll, of course, we're going to see it unfolded in our eternal life. But for the majority of us, the kingdom is still going to go on after we die. It's going to keep on growing. It doesn't all revolve around us. We are a piece in the puzzle. And we play our part. And we don't see everything come to pass in our time, but eventually we will see it come to pass. Of course, death is not final for the believer. We die, but that is our doorway into eternal life. And then we're up in heaven observing as God brings to pass his promises on earth, and eventually his kingdom comes down from heaven to earth, and we reign with him. Well, that's the picture of Scripture. So these, like Abraham and Sarah, they lived in faith. 
Joseph lived in faith. David lived in faith up until when they died. Even when Joseph died, he said, take my bones with you. We're meant to go into the promised land. We're meant to escape Egypt. We're not, this is not our home. God promised us that Egypt is not our home. I'm here for a part, but take my bones. Take my bones and carry them with you into the promised land. See, he was living with an eternal perspective. He was thinking about the ages and the generations, not just his generation, but the generations. And so God's promises come to pass from generation to generation, and he has a purpose, and we are heading toward that purpose. But we may not be we may not be uh, physically alive. and uh, Well, of course, we're going to experience the resurrection from the dead, but we may physically, let me say it like this, we may physically die before all of his promises unfold. But again, the good news is we have eternal life. So we're still part of it. We're still part of it. We're not lost to it. M is my. The my is speaking from God's perspective. His time is different than our time. For us, any time seems right. And we want things to go quick and fast. And times we need things to go quick and fast. I don't want to, I need to move quick so I can pick up Valerie from the bus station so that when she gets off the bus, she's not left alone. Uh, I want to be there. So at times, we, yeah, we move we move quick, but as far as God's kingdom promises, they do take time. So for us, any time seems right, but Father knows best. Father knows best, and he's not in a rush. He grows his kingdom slowly and carefully. Surrender to God's timing. Surrender to God's timing. Here I just want to read Psalm 31:15, and then I'll read... Psalm 105, okay. Psalm 31, 15, where David says, my times are in your hands. So let me read the exact quote here. Psalm 31, 15. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies from those who pursue me. My times are in your hands. And before that, it says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. So see that word trust. That's what this message is about. That's what this message is about. It's about trust and trusting God in that area of timing. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Now, before this, we know that this psalm relates to the cross because where does it say in the psalm, into your hands I commit? Is, that, is this, I, do I have the right one? I, no, no, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's, it's Psalm 31, verse 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. So we know this psalm has to do with the cross. Jesus quoted it onto the, 
uh, Jesus quoted it on the cross. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. So that's verse 5. And then we get to verse uh, 15. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies from those who pursue me. Now let's go to Psalm 105, verse 16. We're coming to an end soon. We have here the story of Joseph repeated in this psalm. He called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. He sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles, his neck was put in irons till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. Now that word proved in the Hebrew is refined. Until the word of the Lord refined him. Uh, Verse 20, the king sent and released him. The ruler of people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased, and teach his elders wisdom. But at one time, Joseph was a slave, and Joseph was imprisoned, and he was persecuted, and he was falsely accused. And on all of that, he had to trust God's time, that that promise that God gave him through the dream. It was going to come to pass, but it was going to take time to unfold. It was going to grow like a mustard seed. Can I hear an amen? amen? Hallelujah. Last. The E is exquisite timing. So T-I-M-E, trust in my exquisite timing. God's timing is beautiful. As Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, everything is beautiful in its time. So God's timing is beautiful. Remember, your life is not all about yourself. God has called you and pulled you into his plan. Your peace in his puzzle And he perfectly crafts you to fit the image of Jesus he's showcasing to the world. See yourself as part of a line that goes from generation to generation for his glory. And then we read in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And there's some other scriptures about time. Time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, Mark. 115, you have Romans 5, 6, and Galatians 6, 9. I won't read them all. But God's timing, God's timing is exquisite. It's just right. And this is where we need to trust. Trust Him. I can think about Gideon. We talked about he's getting married, but I remember when he was in the womb. Just developing. And you know what I did? Every day I lay hands on Anna's tummy and pray a blessing over him. Lord, bless him. Let him grow in wisdom and stature in the favor of God and man. We also pray for him to have a godly wife and that you would bring the right one. And all the I would pray this back when he was in the womb and as he's growing up. Every day, constantly blessing him. In the womb, and then, you know, he was small. We would go on walks together, and pretty much every weekend we'd go on a walk together, we'd go on trips together, do all these things, and now he's flying the coop. (laughs) He's flying the coop. (laughs) No, he comes over and says hi, it still helps me at Bible school, that's a real blessing. 
uh, and I get to see him, but I, I'm looking back, and it's like, wow, now he's getting married. And it, it, during the time when, I'm, when we're up all night with the, with the baby, you know, four times a night, crying, and, and then he's escaping from the house. He used to escape from the house. He's not going to like this message where I tell all of his <laughs> problems as a kid. He'd, he'd, get, he'd, he'd take the nappy, um, uh, the boxes, he'd stack them up so he could get to the handle, then run down the street. And one time, he ran, Chris and Cheryl used to live near us, uh, Pastor Chris and Cheryl now. They used to live near us, and he used to run to their house, and he'd be at their door. But the scariest time was when we were in Chicago for the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies uh, convention. I'm, we're part of the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. I'm a missionary from them and ordained through them. And um, we were at their convention, and he ran into the lift without us, and he was on another, <laughs> he was on another floor in Chicago. And we're like, where, he is? where is he? And a pastor pulled him up. This pastor was a family man, and and then brought him to us, but gave us a stern re rebuking that we needed to look after our uh, child better. So uh, those were early days. Um, you know, and, and, that, and when, that t when those things are going on, you're thinking, when is this going to end? You know, you're <laughs> pulling out your hair, but then now he's getting married. He's 23 years old. He's getting married. <laughs> this, and so, yeah, it's, it's tough with Joseph right now, but it gets, it gets better. And the thing is, Gideon, as a, he, he was tough as a toddler, but as a teenager and, and growing up, he, he didn't really cause us any problems, hardly any problems at all. He's always a great blessing to us. So we're very grateful, very grateful for Gideon. Here's another Van Gogh. Here's another Van Gogh. The kingdom works like a tree. Specifically, it operates like a family tree. And we all know it takes time for a family to grow and be fruitful. But the whole purpose of raising up kids is that then they would start their own family, and then they would be fruitful. And that's how the kingdom of God works. Then we're all connected. And I was studying trees before, and trees communicate with one another in their own way. And if you have all the same kinds of trees, all their roots link up in a forest. So all their roots are linking up and they're communicating to one another through all different ways. It's quite amazing. And they will alert each other of predators and different uh, diseases that are coming through scents. And they even say that a tree has a heartbeat, but it's so slow uh, that doom. And then maybe a minute later. <laughs> or maybe it's longer than that. Anyway, you can read it, you can read it yourself. <laughs> but it has to do with how the, all the sap gets throughout the tree and how it takes in the food. But trees are, are more like us than what we realize at first. Well, the kingdom of God is like a tree. And it grows like a tree. It starts as a seed. 
There's two errors regarding timing, and because we're coming to an end, I'm not going to develop this, but I just want you to think about it. The first error is that we rush ahead of God. So especially in youthful zeal, you're saved, and it's like you want to do everything to save the world, and you rush ahead of God, and you don't allow time to be trained and equipped and to learn how to use your sword. You start using your sword before you learn how to use it. We rush ahead of God. Now, we can do this when we're young. You can do it when you're middle-aged. You can do it when you're old to rush ahead of God. That's the first error. The second error is we lose hope and give up. This is taking so long. I don't see anything happening. You get to a point where you're like Zachariah with, with Elizabeth and John the Baptist where God brings, finally answers their prayer and they have a child, but Zechariah doesn't believe anymore, and he becomes dumb because of it. We lose hope and we give up. Of course, all of that helped Zechariah come back to trust in God. We lose hope and give up. That's another, another area we can fall into, an error we can fall into. So what do we do? And this is the last question we're answering, but it's not long. It's just a quick answer. What do we do while waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled? What do we do while waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled? Now, the whole Bible is full of this answer. So again, we can go for another few hours answering this question, but we're just giving one sentence here. What do we do while waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled? Spend time with God as you wait for His timing. No time is lost when you cultivate intimacy with Jesus. So remember, it's not just all about the outward things. Those things are important, like birth and the kingdom growing. But more important to God is our intimacy with Him, our relationship with Him, our closeness with Him. So while we're waiting, we're in the waiting room of prayer, growing closer to him, getting our roots deeper in his love. And no time is lost when you cultivate intimacy with Jesus. So there's a lot of promises in Scripture that need to come to pass, but the greatest has already come to pass, and that is we are saved. Amen. We have eternal life. We have Christ living in us, and he has brought us into him. You're not having to work your way up to God. You are saved. You're in God. You're in fellowship with God. So on the cross, and Jesus is definitely speaking from God's perspective of time, he says, it is finished. The telestai, it is finished. And we need to live in God's time where we realize it's finished. The sacrifice has been paid for. But also there is a sense where it's already finished. The victory is won. It is finished. And so we can enjoy intimacy with God. We know God will unfold his plan and it will grow like a mustard seed. And that mustard seed is growing and that tree is growing all across the world. And we're a part of it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father... I want to thank you for the seed, the mustard seed that you've planted 
in each of our hearts, that it's growing, that it's bearing fruit, that we are part of your kingdom work, that it's not one day uh, we will be a part of it, but you have saved us and we are part of who you are and we're in fellowship with you. You have given us eternal life and you have pulled us into your plan. Help us to trust you with your timing. And let us see beyond just our years and let us see what you're unfolding from generation to generation and from age to age. We know, Jesus, you are returning. We are looking forward to you returning. We are looking forward to the the consummation of your kingdom on earth. But right now we wait. We see things in this world which aren't right. We pray. We seek your face. But Lord, I pray that none of these things would cause us to rush or lose hope, but that we would cultivate that intimacy with you. Just as the seed becomes intimate with the ground, becomes one with the ground through its root systems, so may we become one with you. You are our ground, our source. You are our soil. We live in you and we bless you. And we also, as we're here, I'm praying for a peace on all the families, healing where there needs to be healing. And also tomorrow, as we step out in faith with this new semester, that you would meet with us, pour out your spirit. You would call people from the north, south, east, and west, hungry ones, and that it would be a glorious time. And that all of the, the prayer, all of the the sowing, all of the love that has gone into it would bear fruit for your glory, Jesus. Lord, that it would bear fruit for your glory. And that your purposes would come to pass. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Uh, Because I need my brothers and sisters agreeing with me in faith. Amen.